0: We have all heard stories about shadow people by now, or at least most of us have been exposed to the stories of humanoid-shaped black figures that stalk through people's lives, leaving trails of terror that last until the end of their lives. I had heard the tales. I thought nothing of them, really. Just fun, creepy reads to keep me lightly entertained for a few minutes as I take breaks from my super-boring life as an overnight shelf stalker at the local supercenter, But I could say with all honesty now, they are more than just stories. My work schedule is not a set schedule. My nights off rotate throughout the month, and it's rare that I have two consecutive nights off, but when I do, I usually take advantage of it and go out with friends. Running with a bunch of thrill seekers adds just enough excitement to my life to keep me from going absolutely batshit crazy. That rush of adrenaline you get when you bungee jump from a hundred foot high bridge and the only thing below you is a creek and rocks. That cord breaks where the clasps aren't exact. Splat. Scam over, amigo. Brushes with death. I know that isn't most people's idea of a good time, but that's what makes me feel the most alive, though. And so when my friends thought it would be fun to go into an old abandoned asylum in search of, well, <laughs> the supernatural, well, I just kind of shrugged. Whatever, I'd go along. But I didn't really see the thrill in it, mostly because I didn't believe in it. I mean, if I were a ghost or some spirit. I think I'd be able to find something better to do than lurk around an old, collapsing building where nature had all but taken over. Then again, maybe not. Who knows? It might be fun to scare the hell out of people who come snooping around places like that. And that was the very thought process that persuaded me to go along. There were five of us. Myself, Johnny, Susan, Tim... And, uh, well, (laughs) Speed Bump Steve. He was the worst balls-to-the-wall adrenaline junkie of the group. He took a dare to race against time down a winding two-lane road at midnight one time. He drove without headlights and hit a speed bump as he came shooting through the parking lot after finishing the drive. He hit it so fast that it threw his car into a spin. And the spin turned into an end-over-end flip, and he totaled his car. Hence the name, speed bump. And no, we never let him drive us anywhere. That was Susan's duty. She was by far the safest driver. And considering that we were all adrenaline junkies, I guess we were as safe as we could be. Now, the asylum was not easily accessible... It had been built in the early 1800s, far back on a plot of land near the mountains, and the mentally ill were housed as far away from society as possible. Asylums were a place of forgetting, you see, a place to stash the family embarrassments. This asylum had closed its doors sometime in the 1920s, and remained unused until the 1960s, when it was bought by a couple who had plans of converting it to a hotel. Well, those plans never came about. We didn't know why, and the internet history of the place ended there. Now, Johnny and Susan had done all the research online, and as we walked into a partially cleared area, there were a few trees. Johnny and Susan stopped us to fill us in on the stories of a shadow person who roamed the defunct building. I barely heard what they were talking about. The hulk of the building set against the dark tree line held my attention. It was hideous and beautiful at the same time. Its gothic design in sharp contrast to the natural beauty of the surroundings. Its sharp peaks and pointed arcs pierced the dimming sky, and the subtle stench of creeping wood rot floated through the air. I could easily imagine the inmates, and that's what they really were back then. And just at the windows with their expressions of longing, loss, and sanity. Vines had covered the lower half of the building, and trailed up in long, skinny tendrils to the peaks like the tentacles of the great god Cthulhu, drawing the asylum into the depths of the mountain, devouring it a little at a time. A chill ran over my body, and had nothing to do with the temperature. Just how many lives had ended in that place? How much suffering had that building kept secret through the decades? Johnny and Susan started toward the structure, and I followed, keeping an eye on the third floor windows where the vines had not yet covered. They say eyes are the windows to a person's soul. The windows of that building seemed like eyes to me. What would I see by peering through them and into the soul of that long-forgotten asylum? Or what would it see by peering out at us? Four insignificant people. Annoying prowlers? I don't know. Dinner? I shook myself and tried to stop the weird thoughts going through my head, and suddenly... I was more inclined to believe there might be something to the stories of the supernatural and of the shadow person dwelling in there. We didn't have to climb through a window or scale the wall to crawl in through an opening on the roof as we had done at other abandoned places. No, the enormous castle-like doors at the main entrance were open far enough for us to get through. So in the foyer, Speedbump chuckled. (laughs) <laughs> it's like the thing was waiting for us, inviting us in. He naturally tromped off toward the darkest, most dilapidated of the rooms. I was envious of his fearlessness. Even I was afraid to enter a few of the rooms. The ceiling sagged, and it seemed that the creeper vines were all that held them up. Out of the corner of my eye, I kept catching glimpses of stealthy movements in the shadows, But when I turned toward them, there was nothing. I asked Susan how we were supposed to see the shadow person. She shrugged and Johnny said, Well, it just appears to people as they're roaming around in here. Steve ended up with us again and having found nothing of great interest, began to bitch about being bored and wanting to know when we were going to do something fun. Trying to ignore him. We headed up to the second floor. Now The smell of decay was thicker on the second floor, but the structure seemed in better condition than there on the first floor. And Still, many of the rooms were completely blocked off by debris or rotting through floors, and I crept close to the edge of one of the open holes in the floor. It was big enough for a piano to fit through. My pulse bumped up a little as the floorboards groaned under my weight. I leaned forward and looked down at the floor below. With the sun sinking low in the west, there was very little light down there, and what was there had filtered through thickets of foliage. Moving shadows were cast everywhere in the orange glow. My mind told me it was only shadows of the plants moving in the wind. But my heart told me that some of those shadows were all that remained of the inmates who died there. As I started to step back into the hallway, Steve ran straight toward me. Then he was past me, vaulting over the hole in the floor before I could stop him. And somehow, the floor held up on the other side. He laughed like a lunatic and disappeared through a door on the other side of the room for a split second i thought two shadows traced his movement it must have been a trick of the light or i don't know my mind or at least that's what i told myself at the time he emerged into the hallway from another room i climbed the stairs to the third floor wondering if we would have had been shut away in a place like this back in the 1800s would we have been considered crazy Speed bump would have definitely been. Even by today's standards, he was a lunatic. I could see the sun touching the far peaks of the mountains from the window at the top of the stairs. The windows were filthy, but I saw two red eyes peeking over my reflection shoulder. Gasping, I spun around just to see nothing. The other three followed me up, and we all went down to the right-hand hallway. I thought I saw someone step into another room farther down the hall. It wasn't like the other shadows I'd seen out of the corner of my eye. It was a person, not a shadow at all. It was three-dimensional and stepped from the hallway into the room. I stopped the group and whispered to them what I'd seen. We turned and headed back toward the stairs. And as the sun's dying rays hit us, I saw five shadows on the wall instead of four. I stopped, and so did two of the shadows. No matter how I moved, it remained close to my shadow, sometimes intertwining with it to stay out of the sunlight. The others saw what I was doing and at first laughed, and then, as they began to realize I wasn't casting two shadows by some trick of the light, Their faces turned to masks of shock. Susan grabbed Johnny's arm and pulled him toward the stairs. The extra shadow slithered along the wall and then pulled away from it. No longer a flat shadow. It walked, fully formed, to the center of the wide landing, blocking Susan and Johnny's escape. It held out one thin arm And shook its finger back and forth In a no, no, no gesture We backed slowly toward the other hallway Never looking away from the shadow person And when it darted towards us I noted that it avoided the wide strip of dim light on the floor We flew down the hallway and into a room And Susan whispered Whatever you do Don't let it touch you. Remember the stories. Johnny and Steve nodded, but I was lost. I hadn't paid attention to the stories. Agitated at me, she filled me in. Shadow makes people disappear. It even threw a kid off the stairs and killed him. What does it do with them? It disappears them to where? She shushed me. No one knows, dumbass. That's why it's called disappearing. I don't want to try to find out, do you? Spoodbump gave a war whoop and yelled. I'll do it. Like a great adventure. He held his hands over his head and pumped his arms. I told him to shut up. It wasn't Peter Pan and this wasn't the last great adventure. We could all be in serious trouble. Frowning, he put his hands down. The sound of hissing echoed through the room, and I stumbled backward over an old rusted chair while trying to get my flashlight out of my backpack. The shadow slipped around the frame of the door and up the wall on all fours, keeping its head towards us as it crept onto the ceiling. Red eyes appeared in its face, as if it had just opened them. We ran for the door and toward the stairs again, but there it was, racing alongside us as the fifth shadow on the wall again. I held my backpack in my hands, fishing for the flashlight, and I yelled the others to get theirs. Steve didn't have one, he said, and Susan and Johnny weren't slowing down to even try to get theirs out. Turning the corner, we all tried to stay away from the wall and that shadow. Johnny stumbled and fell towards the thing, He screamed as his arm disappeared into the blackness. He rolled his terrified eyes towards us, opening his mouth to scream. And then he was gone. Just completely gone. And the shadow was still there, only it looked bigger. The way a freshly fed bow constrictor looks bigger. Susan's legs gave out and she tumbled to the next landing, twisting her ankle. Steve and I hauled her up and tried to get her down the next flight without falling. The shadow appeared on that landing and stepped towards us in great long strides, forcing us to take a hallway. Susan kept babbling, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. Over and over she repeated that same line until I was ready to smother her just to get her to be quiet. And The shadow's hissing came again, and it was in the hallway just outside our room. And the sky grew darker by the second. The only sound was Susan's frightened whimpering and my shaky breathing. My adrenaline had successfully been pumped up to a level that I no longer liked, and my heart beat like the wings of a hummingbird. We have to get out of here before dark sets in. I walked to the window. It had been broken out years ago, and the glass lay scattered across the ground, winking in the dim light like diamonds. Finally finding my LED flashlight, I swung the bright, piercing beam in a wide arc out the window. The many arches of the roof provided a way down, but the drop to the ground was going to be hard. I hooked my flashlight to my belt loop. Susan shook her head. I can't make it my ankle's broken i think she handed steve her smaller flashlight and he hooked it onto his belt loop. i told her that she could hold on to me and i would get us down and steve helped her to the window as i climbed out lowering myself to the first arch i caught sight of the fat shadow slinking on the ceiling above steve and susan and i yelled at them to hurry Susan was halfway out of the window when the shadow descended on Steve, and I yelled for him to use his light, but he didn't hear me, or couldn't reach for his flashlight. He screamed once, and then he fought with it, and the harder he fought, the more of his body was swallowed up by the thing. I mean, what damage can he do to his shadow? None. It enveloped the upper half of his body and shot back to the ceiling and disappeared, leaving Steve's bottom half to thud to the floor. Poor lunatic got his last great adventure after all. It wasn't one I wanted to try out though. Susan screamed and pushed herself out of the window. I barely caught her. It was hard as hell to lower us both to the ledge, but we were finally there. And I was ready to jump when I heard the hissing sound above us. The shadow was crawling out of the window and down towards us. And I tried for my flashlight, but I was too late. The thing was just so damn fast. I swear I saw it smile before it covered Susan. And she was gone too, completely disappeared. I jumped to the ground and grabbed for my flashlight. Shining it onto the shadow figure, it recoiled and slid back through the window to avoid the light. I've never run as fast as I did that night. If you ever, ever see a shadow creature, stay in the light. They don't like the light. And just to be on the safe side, avoid places where there have been stories about shadow people sightings. It may not just be a story to entertain, it might be real.